they also did like a dance for us. So they got all dressed up in their traditional um, garb and like did a, like a couple of dances for us. Um, we did something back. I think I can't remember. Did you see? Which, which, but like we did the cha cha slide. I think. <laughs> um, so like one of us had on our phones and we had a Bluetooth speaker and like we taught them to do it with us. Um, and then the second year was like right after. Uh, <laughs> We were like racking our brains to think of like what we could do. Hello, hello. Welcome to Young, Gifted, and Abroad, perspectives on studying abroad from past and present students of color. My name is Danielle, and I'm so excited to be able to talk to you today because today I have my friend Sharon as the guest. Um, now, I was not able to <laughs> get that relative I had in mind, um, as mentioned in the uh, at the end of last week's episode, but uh, thankfully Sharon was willing to step in and we had a really nice conversation about her time uh, volunteering with the Global Business Brigades in Panama. So she went there as an undergraduate student to uh, help teach indigenous populations in Panama um, help teach them personal finance and financial literacy. And then just last year, um, this time last year actually, she uh, got sent to India with her job. She accepted an assignment there where she was um, helping to train employees in the local office in Calcutta. So uh, we spent most of our time talking about those two experiences. And um, Sharon kind of had to grow into her um her love for travel and so I really appreciate her sharing her thoughts on that and how she was um, her approach to travel uh, especially in terms of certain fears that she had in the beginning changed over time so you'll hear about that and I really hope you enjoy it so without further ado sit back relax and enjoy my interview with my friend Sharon Mylador. Okay, um, what was I saying? Oh, yes. Um, why don't we start with you introducing yourself, if you don't mind? Sure. Uh, so my name is Sharon Milador. Um, I am an accountant. I work at a bank. Um, I like to travel. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What else you want to know? Oh, I guess <laughs> I, went to, um, I went to Oakland University. Um, and that's kind of where I discovered my love of traveling um, and where I got to go to Panama. Okay. So I did my bachelor's and master's from accounting there, and I just graduated, I think, three or four years ago. Okay. Nice. Nice. And, um, yeah, you told me you went to Panama with the is it global, global Brigades, right? Yeah. So I think most people are familiar with the Global Brigades because of, like, the Medical Brigades. Um, so they do a couple of different groups. Um, because I was a business major, they also have something called the Global Business Brigades, where a bunch of us from the business school go at a time. Um, and so some of my friends had done it the first year OU had offered it. Mm -hmm. um, and so they had such a great time. And so the next year when they were looking for people, I volunteered to go. Or not, I guess not really volunteered, but I signed up to go. Um, and so basically what we do is we go as a group, 
sometimes it's everyone for, is from one school. Sometimes if you don't have enough people for a brigade, they might merge a couple schools together. Um, and we went to Panama and we kind of traveled around to, I think, the, the different parts of the jungle and they have a lot of indigenous tribes. And so we were teaching them like basic personal finance and financial literacy. Okay. And um, when you, were there any certain requirements to participate in this or did, did you just sign up and you were in? So basically like our school kind of had it set up as like one of like our school clubs or activities. Mm -hmm. um, and so like there was like a president and a treasurer and stuff. And so they kind of helped um, get everything organized. Uh, so mainly what we had to do as a student who wanted to go was we had to have so much um, fundraised or like we had to put in so much money and that would cover like our cost of food and our flights. Mm -hmm. um, and then the rest of it was just like they would send us some materials to repair and then we would kind of just look over it. Um, and then when we got there, they gave us like the actual lessons that we were going to be teaching. So they basically, Global Brigades has these um, relationships with different tribes um, and groups of indigenous people. And so they have like a set lesson plan, like the first group goes and teaches them this, and then the second group goes in this, and they kind of like build upon the stuff that they were learning. Okay. And then as they do that, the different um, the brigades, like groups of us that go like, will then report back to them like, hey, like they were really interested in this stuff, uh, or like, or they'll kind of tell them stuff. So like our first, the first time I went, um, we found out that there were a couple of them who had like their own like shop. And so like in their village, they would have, they almost have like their own convenience store. Mm. And so they wanted to learn about like how to account for their convenience store. Like how should they know what things that they should buy to sell? Um, so like stuff like that. So then, you know, some of us were marketing majors and some of us were accounting majors and we could say like, well, do you have any records? And they're like, no. And like, we're like, okay, well, so for like a week or so, you should see what people are buying and like write it down. And then the things that they are buying more of, um, you want to buy more of that. So like stuff like that is like, conceptually to us in the US, it's like really easy for us to know that because we see that in stores. Like they always have more of like the things that are popular, but that's not something that they really thought of. They were just buying everything kind of equally across the board. Um, and then like some stuff would sell out and then they would just buy more equally across the board and they wouldn't realize that they were stockpiling stuff they didn't really need. Okay, interesting. And how many, about how many people were in your group when you went? So the first time I went, I think there were about 20 of us. Um, I think about 16 or 17 of us were from OU and then Global Brigades asked like two or three other people from other schools to come and join us because they only had a single person. Okay, gotcha. I mean, could you explain a bit about like Global Brigades? Do you know anything about like how long it's been around or why they started doing the activities they're doing? Ooh, um, I probably should have looked into it. Like I did when I went and did it because they had come and like done a lot of presentations. Um, so like what I know about Global Brigades is I think it started as like a water brigade and they um, like it's all done through volunteers. And I think the whole plan of them is to kind of change lives. They want to kind of develop these communities um, one of the things that like we did with our money is 
so we had to give a certain amount of money to attend, like each of us. Uh, most of it was like for our food and our um, flights and lodging, and they set all of that up for us. Um, some of it also pays like their their employees. So like while we were there, we always had one global brigade contractor um, who kind of like would lead us and tell us like this is like the schedule for the day. These are the things you're going to be teaching them and would kind of help us. They knew the tribe we were with, so they kind of would help. Um, navigate situations if they be like, oh, that might not be a good example to tell them because they don't really understand this concept yet. Mm. Um, and then we had several translators. Um, so like when we were spe- teaching, we were teaching in English and obviously they don't speak English. They're speaking um, Spanish and sometimes other languages. And so like we had translators with us, we would teach something for a sentence or two and then they would translate it. And then we would have these like, um, they kind of helped us with all of the supplies and stuff as well. But like part of the money that we had was going to like a community bank. So like I said, like they had like the convenience store um, and like other different businesses, right? Like a lot of the people that we had were um, farmers. And so we would split into separate groups and we would kind of teach them based off of their own situation. So like one guy, you know, was this is the first guy that I was helping, but he had a farm and he had pigs and he was, he was asking us all this, all these questions about like pigs. Like he knew like how much feed and stuff he needed, but he was trying to figure out like, when do I sell the pig? Right. Like versus um, keeping it because like at some point he can't buy enough food to get, make it get bigger. So it's not worth keeping it for longer when you could sell it. So like stuff like that, they had like different questions for us. Um, and a lot of times, like the farmer and stuff, like they had a co-op. So if he wanted more money, then he would go to the community co-op or their community bank and mm-hmm. like kind of petition them for money. Um, and we would kind of help them with their petition. Part of the money that we were raising to get over there, I think each of us would have, I think $200 where um, $100 would go into the bank of the community and the other hundred dollars we could choose if we wanted it to go to the bank or if we wanted to maybe to go to a person that we were helping that week. Okay. So you were there like assisting them with their needs, but then you also like were donating yeah. money and that kind of was built into the program. Like your, yes. your participation so we fee was. Yeah. We weren't yeah. donating money to individuals, but we were donating money to like their community right. causes. And it was because we weren't allowed to bring any supplies. I think at first, um, you know, like people would go there and we would bring things like Frisbees and soccer balls and like the kids would want them, right? Or like even stuff like pens and stuff. Like we were not allowed to give anything to them because they didn't want, the Global Brigades didn't want those people to like assume that we were going to come and automatically give them stuff, Mm. right? So instead it had to go into the community bank usually. And even if we were giving it to a certain person, like they had to petition for that money. Um, And we would help them with their petition or their application. Um, okay. So they wanted it to be sustainable, right? So like when they petitioned money, like the guy, like I said, the pig farmer that I was helping, he had to then pay the money back into the bank. So instead of having, because they don't have a way to get to the city and get money out of the bank for themselves, mm-hmm. right? Um, so it was kind of a way of empowering the community to help each other. And then they were also in charge of all of the money. So they were able to, help, they were able to see the community, um, kind of grow over time because of the input that they had. Okay, interesting, interesting. And this was in Panama. You said you were working with indigenous tribes in Panama. Do yep. you know if or there where else? Yeah, so there are, okay. 
there are a couple of different kinds of brigades that I know of. There's like an environmental brigade where they go and plant trees. Um, there's a water brigade. They help them like get clean drinking water um, and working like bathrooms. Um, there's a medical brigade. They bring a lot of vaccines and they'll help um, with that. Uh, I think there's a dental brigade as well and then a medical brigade. And so the three countries that um, like I remember that we were allowed to choose from were Panama, Honduras, and Ghana. Okay. Um, and I'm looking at their website right now, and it sounds like they have like 237 um, communities basically that they work with in the three different countries. Oh, okay. But they're, they're focused in those three countries. Yeah, for now. Okay. I think they started as um, a little bit less, and they've kind of grown out. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, so and, like, I remember the first group that went, they actually helped a different community than we did. Mm -hmm. So the different communities have different needs. I remember they had like computers and stuff and they were teaching them how to do Excel models, like basic Excel work to track their inventory. Um, the group that we went to was not like that. Uh, they were doing everything with hand and paper. Um, and then, but they had like TVs and stuff. So it wasn't like they were in the middle of nowhere, I guess, yeah. but. There's a lot of um, disparity between the communities, um, and sometimes they would have, I think, issues between the different communities because they didn't want to. They don't want to seem like they're favoring certain communities over others. Mm -hmm. um, so I think they were kind. They were kind of there to help make sure that they were impartial to them all. Okay. And um, where? So you said like the 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 like the fees that you paid included lodging. Were you staying yes. in the same um, areas as the people you were working with or like where were you staying while you were um, in Panama doing this work? Yeah, so we stayed in like a hostel. Um, it was like a hostel hotel mm -hmm. uh, that was about 45 minutes away from them, okay. I think. So like if you know what Panama looks like, it's like a like a rectangle and there's like what Panama City is kind of in the middle. Um, and there's this one road that kind of goes from the westmost point to the eastmost point of Panama. Um, and so we were on that road. Like the villages would be off of it, like a little bit further down. Um, but like where they were mostly staying, there wasn't really a lot of places for us to stay. So we were kind of far away from them, actually. And we would drive in every day and back. Okay. Interesting. And yeah, I mean, would y'all take a bus or... Yeah, they basically had a big bus for us. Um, they had several like military checkpoints, so they had like a lot of paperwork on us um, mm. of like who we were. Um, they had like copies of our passport and like the, a charter from the um, the government, I think, and some other paperwork as well to kind of get us through everything. You'd have to go through those military checkpoints every day. Yes. Okay. And I think it depends, like they have several different hotels or hostels um, or like camp areas basically that they were contracting with and it just depended how busy they were, where we would be. They try to put us as close as possible, um, but they couldn't always get that close. Okay, all right. And so um, I, so you said that you, um, you know, your friends had gone the previous year and um, that kind of inspired you to go hearing their feedback about it. Um, mm -hmm. Had you been to Panama before? Like, were you excited about the prospect of going to Panama or was it just 
or was it more so just about participating in this program and you didn't really have any specific um, thoughts about where, like the area you were going to? Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I don't think that I, I mean, I'd never been to Panama before this and I actually went back a second time. Um, so like this trips only last a week. Um, so I went two years in a row, but I didn't necessarily, I don't, I don't think I really had plans of going to Panama. Um, but it was more like this was the place that OU decided to go to. Um, probably like the officer just kind of decided. So by the time I joined the place, the location was already picked. They had already worked with local brigades to do that. Um, I think the second year we, because we had a couple people who had gone the first two years and they wanted to try a new location. Um, but then I know that there were some like, there are a lot of like, um, one of the countries we originally wanted to switch to, I can't remember which one it was, but we weren't allowed to go because they were halting all brigades there because of some stuff going on with their government. Okay. Um, so I think they've since opened them back up um, a couple years later, but so it was more like this was an opportunity to go. Um, and I had always wanted to travel abroad or do like a semester abroad when I was in college, but I was too afraid, I guess, to like really do it because I wasn't sure a semester seemed like a really long time yeah and I was like okay a week is something that I could handle like even if I don't like it I'm only there for a week and then <laughs> I'm flying back yeah right? and yeah. it's going with a bunch of people that I know from the business school um yeah. so like the way the brigade was kind of set up is like you signed up in the middle beginning of the, the fall semester um and then we kind of had our brigade the people who were going and then we didn't go until like the middle of the summer after so we had two semesters to kind of get to know each other Mm. um and prep and like we did some fundraising and stuff as well so it was a neat experience it was definitely different um than what i was expecting but i liked it okay yeah you got to test the waters a little bit um instead of having to go all in for a whole semester you kind of got to you know kind of get your feet wet a little bit to see what it's yeah. like before you can you know build up to you know longer stays in other places mm -hmm. um but you said it was like, different. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I like that I knew it was going to be structured by the Global Brigades group as well. So it's not like I had to go and figure everything out. Like everything right. would basically be figured out for me and I would just kind of have to enjoy it, I guess. And you said it was different from what you were expecting. How how was it different? Yeah, so like, you know, I talked to a lot of the people who had went the first year, I was actually very close with. Um, they had asked me to go, but I was like, I don't know if this would be something I'd be interested in. Um, I think that first year, but yeah, like they came back with like all these stories about how, you know, they were unsure about it going in, but it was really a re rewarding experience. They got really close to the people they were working with for that week and they got to see how directly their um, efforts helped. And so one thing I liked about it was like I, in school and even now at work, like I work in accounting and finance, we do a lot of volunteering where we go to schools like right now, my company goes to Detroit schools and we teach financial literacy. Um, I think the different part was like, I kind of expected to be very similar to those um, those volunteer trips, but it was different in that they didn't know a lot of stuff that I would just take for granted that people would know. Kind of like I was telling you um, about the example with the store. Yeah. Um, I mean, they were very smart people and they had figured out a lot um, of different ways to kind of support their lifestyles, but it was, they were coming from a completely different background than us. So we both kind of learned a lot, I think, while we were there. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, when you first mentioned it to me before, I was wondering how, like, what 
you all's approach was in teaching them um, like personal finance and the like, because um, as, as you mentioned, we have a way of doing things here, but of mm-hmm. course they will, they're in, this is Panama and plus they're like an indigenous community. Like, you know, they're not like in a, an urban center. So like, yeah. I was wondering how will like, like, how are you teaching them? Like, are you teaching them what they would, what we would do here, but how would that, would that even be useful to them because they have their own needs? So it sounds like you, y'all are really trying to, to, to serve their, like use your knowledge to serve their specific needs within that community. It was, it was, yeah, it was different because like there was no way to really prepare for that going right. into it. Um, we didn't even know what lessons we were teaching. Like we knew like the tribe, they told us like a couple months before, like this is the group they're going to go see. We went to their website, we did some research on like what they knew and stuff. So we kind of had an idea, like they said, like, you know, these are the main people of the community. These are the people that we normally interface with. Like these are the main types of businesses that they have. So we kind of did, we're able to do some research before, but we had no idea what specific lesson we were teaching them. Um, I think when we got there, the first lesson that we were teaching them was how to save money. Like the whole concept of saving money um, was something that they didn't really necessarily understand. And so for for us, when we think of saving money, you might think of like, oh, you're putting in a bank account or you're investing your money, right? For them, the concept of saving money is like any money you don't spend in a specific period, you're saving that money. You don't have to spend everything, mm. right? Um, because they don't necessarily have like a bank that they can put it in. They don't get a paycheck, right? That they can then say, okay, I'm gonna spend this much on expenses. Um, so like, it was just kind of a concept that we were teaching them concepts of stuff that a lot of people in the U.S. just kind of learn just being around other people. Yeah. Um, I mean, I can't, there's probably people in the U.S. that don't understand the concept of saving money either. Right, of course. But, like, <laughs> um, but at the same time, like we were all like, you know, in business school um, or like graduate school for business degrees. Mm-hmm. So like it was a concept for us that was kind of hard to break down into small pieces yeah. because yeah. for us, we had just kind of known it like we have classes where you do much more advanced things um so it was a very good i think humbling experience i think for all of us as well yeah yeah that's a really good point you know you you spend so much time trying to become knowledgeable of mm-hmm. a certain field and then having to turn around and explain it can be really difficult like not everyone like you said, learning to break things down. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that's like, I honestly feel like that's a skill because you can like be excellent in something, but you, that doesn't necessarily mean you're able to to teach it. That's something that you kind of have to learn as you go. So, I mean, I don't know. Do you feel like having that experience, having to teach um, people something that you maybe took for granted or something that, you know, you never had to slow down and break down before? Do you think that experience helped you in terms of like, like being better at what you do as an accountant or someone who's in business? Yeah, I think so. So like, since I came back from that, um, like I've tried to do other things similar. So I participate now in like the VITA program. Um, It's the volunteer income tax assistance. So Mm -hmm. um, I go down to Detroit or sometimes to Pontiac or different um, stations kind of around Southeast Michigan. Mm -hmm. um, And we do like taxes for low income 
people and like how to explain like the information I need from them versus the inf- what I'm doing with that information is a skill that's really hard to learn. Um, I've done I've done that for a couple of years now, and like I don't think I would be as good as it good at it if I didn't have the experience in Panama because for me, especially like the people that I spend most of my time with at work, right, and who who are all volunteering together, yeah, we already understand that concept, right? We've had classes on it. Um, and even if we didn't really understand the concept of taxes, we knew of like an idea of it. Um, but like to kind of explain like, no, like this is not really, you know, this is what is considered income in like the eyes of the government versus like, this is really not income. This is just money you're getting um, and we'll still account for it, but that's not what I want for like this question. Mm-hmm. So it was a good way for me to understand. I also think I learned a better way of telling when people are saying that they understand what I'm saying, but they really don't understand it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Because, you know, there's a lot of tells that people have where they just nod their head. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's something that's like, we learned a lot of techniques at Global Brigades was like, okay, when you're teaching them, you know, you need to do this. And luckily we had translators with us, right? So we weren't teaching them directly. The translators would kind of help package our information a little bit better probably. Um, and but they would slow down and be like, hey, you need to do this. So we would ask questions and make sure that they understand what we're doing. Um, otherwise we would go back and kind of reiterate that point that they didn't understand. So kind of the same thing when I do VITA um, now is make sure they understand what I'm doing. I don't want them, like some people will just get all the paperwork and go through it themselves and like, do the taxes, but then it doesn't really help the person you're helping. Um, like, yes, they get their taxes in the end, but if you did something wrong or you missed something, right, they're not going to know. So that way, you know, I like to kind of explain what I'm doing it. And sometimes they'll be like, oh, yeah, last year, you know, this person did this too. Like, do you think that's necessary? And I'll be like, yeah, like, that's not something that I might have caught just looking at the papers you handed me. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that's something that applies. So, you know, you need these things and then I can help you with that. Okay. And, um, well, okay. So you said you did say that um, they would, uh, I guess, kind of survey or observe what the what that community seemed to enjoy most, or what they wanted to continue learning for the mm-hmm. next group that would come. Was there any way that you would be able to get personal feedback to know how well you were doing as an individual serving in the roles that you had while you were there? Yeah, so we had like a coordinator from Global Brigades and that mm-hmm. guy um, that or that person would kind of help us like say like, yeah, you guys are doing, you know, a good time, uh, a good job. Um, they had usually been to that village several times before they, um, you know, knew a lot of people. So they would kind of get feedback. I think the first time we went, uh, we thought we did a great job. And then, you know, they gave us the feedback that night when we were preparing for the lesson for the next day. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know, guys, like a lot of the villagers didn't understand this, but they were too afraid to tell you. Right. So stuff like that, because the villagers knew them, they felt comfortable talking to them or they could talk to like the community um, pillars and they would be like, yeah, like I understood it, but that's because I'm working. So the community pillars were people who are involved with the community bank. They would be working with Global Brigades a lot more frequently than most of the people in our lessons. Okay. So they had a lot of like personal lessons almost. So they would understand stuff because they would be the vocal ones in the class. We would assume everyone would. Um, Right. But really like, only a few people understood and we could do a better job kind of making sure everyone understood what we're talking about. Okay. That makes sense. And, um, you said this was, this is a student org. So like, was this something? I guess 
So Global Brigades, um, and I encourage everyone to go and look at their website. Um, they have a lot of information. That, um, I don't want to say anything that's wrong, I guess, about the organization. <laughs> yeah. um, they have several types of brigades for different types of uh, majors or people who aren't affiliated with like something like business. Um, but they, yeah, they have basically how OU handled it was is Global Brigades is like a nonprofit and we made a chapter of it. So we had like an Oakland University chapter. Um, that chapter included, I think, dental, medical, water, and uh, business. Okay. So like we had like a pool of um, resources that the university gave to us that they gave to all the student organizations. Um, and then we further split it into like, these are the students in the business school who all want to go to the business brigade versus I think these are the people in the dental school and they're going to the dental brigade and they're going at a different time. So it's not like we were always there at the same time. Um, so we kind of had like overlapping needs. Okay. But like, sort of, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so it's not like an organization at every school, I would assume, mm -hmm. but that's just how our officer group handled it because OU had a lot of resources for organizations um, that students could tap into basically. Okay. And was it, I mean, you might not know, but so like y'all had a chapter started at OU. Was this something that students at the time initiated or um, something that was initiated maybe by administration at OU? Do you have I any idea that, about that? I don't know about all of Global Brigades at OU, but I know like the business school specifically, like the first year, um, it was really pushed by the dean of the business school. He really mm -hmm. wanted to go. I think he was even offering a scholarship for every student. He would present them so much money towards their fundraising goal okay. um, through OU. So I don't know if some students came up with the idea and brought it to him and he really liked it or, or how I guess like the school started promoting it. Okay. And so you went the one time mm -hmm. and then you decided to go again the next year. Yes. Um, did you, was there any like main reason for that? I mean, did you just enjoy the work that you were doing there and wanted to go again? Or did you want to go to Panama again? Like what made you want to go again the following year? Yeah, so I think the second year, um, I was like a co-president with someone else who went the year before. Okay. And I really liked it. Um, it was like a nice week, I think, to kind of, give back and I like to um, volunteer a lot. So it was something that I felt like I could use what I was use learning at school and give back with that. Um, so I went again. Also, I don't think originally we were planning on going to Panama. We were trying to go to another country. Um, mm -hmm. Oh, that's right, yeah. Because I think a few people who had went with me, that was their second time. Um, and so we actually had like a big percentage of people who wanted to go back a second time. Um, so we were trying to, I think, do that. Um, yeah. Also, um, Global Brigades is, is great, but they have a very strict schedule. So the second time, we really wanted to spend like a day in Panama City um, at the end of our trip. Mm -hmm. um, and so we started planning a lot earlier on to get that end, because otherwise, we really were only there for the airport. Um, and then we went straight to the hostel in the jungles and then came back um, the morning of and went to the airport. So I think it was something like a four hour bus drive back to the city. So we wanted to spend a day in the city and kind of see the city as well before we flew out. Okay, did you get to do that? 
Yes, we did that. Okay. I think the, the second trip I went, we spent a day in the city. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, what did you do outside of, you know, your your mm-hmm. roles, um, you know, serving that community? Did you, like, I don't know. Like, I was wondering if you got to do anything uh, that was, uh, like, for leisure or different ways you might have been able to learn more about the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems like you were very much, uh, like like you said, it was like a strict schedule. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I understand why uh, now I think looking back, like they technically Global Brigades was like um, they were responsible for all of us. Right. right and so right. Like, most of us, our cell phones would not work. So they had like the system where they would notify people that we landed um, and we had arrived at the camp safely um, and then got back to the airport. So like if they had let us off at the when that last the second time around, they actually dropped us off at the airport and then we stayed and got a shuttle to the hotel that we had gotten that night. Mm-hmm. Um, so they want to make sure everyone's accounted for, right? I guess, and they don't want anything to happen to anyone um, or like get them lost, which is fair. Um, we did have a lot of stuff going on with the villagers, right? So like the last day, we didn't really have any lessons, but we still had like half a day with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made us lunch. Um, so I can probably send some pictures of that that I can find. Like they had banana leaves that they had uh, made a lot of lunch, a lot of food in that they shared with us. Um, and then we were supposed to share something with them. Um, they had like a little uh, arts and crafts fair where like various people in the village could come and like show the different stuff that they made. A lot of people made um, yeah. like necklaces and jewelries. One guy did like this uh, temporary tattoo, kind of like henna, but it was like with ink um, that a lot of the guys got. Uh, they made statues and stuff like that. Um, they also did like a dance for us. So they got all dressed up in their traditional um, garb and like did a, like a couple of dances for us. Um, we did something back. I think, I can't remember. Did you see? Which, was which but like we did the cha-cha slide. <laughs> I think. Um, so like one of us had, had it on our phones and we had a Bluetooth speaker and like we taught them to do it with us. Um, and then the second year was like right after. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. We were like racking our brains to think of like what we could do. Um, the first year they made like a play and we were like, we want to do something that's like, American. I guess we don't want to do something that's like we had made. So um, the first year they, I don't know exactly what they did. They did. We did the charge slide. And then the third year, um, I think, what's that movie? The Glee movie? Not Glee movie. Um, the movie with all the songs, the acapella songs. Oh, um, Pitch Perfect? Yeah. So that movie had just come out and all of us had seen it. And so there's the part where she does like the cup song and like there's a group of them and they do the cup dance thing. So we did that in like a group of like 13 um, where you, I don't know, you kind of move the cup around and you you smack it against each other and and like, and then you pass it on to the next person kind of thing. So they actually really liked it because we were kind of like, we were on this like pavilion, that we had like climbed into and like the bottom was like all bamboo. So like we were like, it made a lot of like noise and it kind of sounded a lot like their drums mm. that they had used for their dances. So they actually really liked that one. 
Okay, nice. Did they learn to do that as well, or did they just watch you do the cup song? They just watched us. I think we offered. <laughs> they probably were confused. Okay. How did they do with the chat pass slide? <laughs> they did good. They did good, actually. Um, a couple of them really got it. Uh, but like then, like you know, the chat slide like changes it up. So mm -hmm. it's also a very long song. It is. <laughs> so we just kind of faded off. Okay. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I just, I'm <laughs> yeah, I think that we didn't know that we were going to be doing that until yeah. like we were already halfway, halfway through the week. So we didn't like bring any music or anything with us. Right. The, the next time we had kind of planned something before. Um, so like we knew that that was going to happen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we only had like a couple of us had music that they had downloaded and we were like trying to find something that we could do that all of us could learn quickly and do so that was the one thing we're like oh well everyone knows the chapter slides so <laughs> oh my gosh that's so nice i just i don't know i'm used to like seeing people do that stuff at weddings or in bars so just think that y'all yeah. are <laughs> teaching them there was like side. pavilion doing it yeah yeah that must have been so fun oh my gosh <laughs> it was pretty cool actually um, and then, yeah, like the second time we were there, we did travel around the city. So we saw, we ate lots of food. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we, which we did even the first time, they always stop us some at a restaurant somewhere in the city after we fly in or, or on the way out. Um, so we could try some food and we went and saw the Panama Canal. So that okay. was pretty cool. Um, we didn't actually go see a boat go through the locks, um, because I think we would have to wait quite a bit, but. We did get to like see the canal and there's like a little museum that we all went through. It was cool. Okay, nice. And I'm sorry if you mentioned this already, but do you remember about like how large the village was or how many people were in it? Man, I do not. I know okay. we generally like worked with like maybe 30-ish people, mm -hmm. uh, but there was a lot more. They just weren't as involved, I guess, okay. with the lessons and stuff. And was it the same village both times when you went? No, they don't usually allow the same school to go back okay. um, to the same village. Okay, do you know why? So they really want the connection between the villagers to be to the Global Brigade staff. So they uh, okay. send like the same translators and coordinators, um, but they want they want the focus to be on them because then, then if they have questions in between brigades, they know who to go to. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. And then you said like you, you, um, you were thinking about maybe doing a semester abroad, but you were intimidated. And so doing the global brigades was kind of a way to, to get out there. Um, but on a kind of a smaller scale. Um, yeah. and then you said like that time kind of helped you like develop your love for travel. Um, mm -hmm. I guess, like, what about participating in the Global Brigades or about maybe being in Panama specifically? Like, what about that experience made you want to travel more? Mm -hmm. Well, I really liked that, you know, I got to meet, like, a completely different culture. Um, and even though we didn't speak the language, like, it was actually pretty, fairly easy to communicate. They were used to communicating um, with different brigades, like we had the translators and stuff, but even on our end, like after like a day or so, you get kind of used to talking to them, talking to someone in a different language, I guess, okay. um, kind of making sure you can understand. A few of us knew Spanish, 
Um, I know a, I knew a little bit, so I could speak a little bit in Spanish. Um, we had a couple of Spanish majors who came with us, I think, because they were interested. Stuff like that. We had, um, I mean, we didn't technically have Wi-Fi, but a lot of us had like downloaded like the Google um, Spanish language on mm -hmm. our phone, so we could like look up words and stuff like that. Um, so it was a neat experience. I think it was something that I was always scared about traveling because. Um, like I had traveled before, but it was usually with like a big group of people or like with my family. So this was like kind of the first time where even though I was with a group of people, I got to choose kind of stuff that I wanted to do um, in the country. And so and I learned so much. So it was something that I wanted to kind of continue doing. Okay. That's dope. That's dope. Plus, so I mean, the area in Panama was just beautiful. Like we had like monkeys, like on the roof of like our hostel, um, in the morning and, um, and all kinds of like little cr critters that were cute. Um, I'm sure there were some non-cute ones too, but <laughs> luckily I didn't see any. <laughs> um, yeah, actually a funny story. The first night, there were only a handful of us that were like wake super early in the morning and we heard this like howling and we thought it was like a jaguar. Like we, it sounded like oh awful and it sounded very close. And then I, no one believed us, right? Like, um, and then we went to breakfast and like far in the distance, you could hear it. And we were like, that was it. Um, and the guide was just laughing at us. And he's like, that's just a little howler monkey. <laughs> <laughs> um, they like to come on the roof because it's cool because we have these fans. So yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, wow. Know, it was neat. Yeah. And it was an experience that I didn't really feel like I could have gotten in the U.S. So that's kind of what made me like traveling. Right. Okay. Well, I'm glad that you were able to have that experience. Um, and um, so skipping ahead a few years, you're working <laughs> and all that. And then last year you took an assignment in India, mm -hmm. right? Uh, yeah. Was that um was i guess what was your motivation for doing that was it just you wanted to you know get back out there and start traveling again or um was it wanting to i mean because you weren't in the area that your family's from yeah but like was there some desire to want to like connect more with india in a way like what what made you want to take on that assignment and live in India for work for a while. Yeah, so like since that time in Panama, right, like I've always wanted to travel. Um, my firm actually used to do something similar to Panama where they would go to, I think, um, Belize uh, for like a couple of weeks as like volunteers and do mm -hmm. something like that. Um, so when I first started, I had heard about that and was like, oh, that'd be cool if I could do that um, because I did do global brigades and it's very similar. I think they discontinued the program after a few years, so I didn't have a chance. Um, but yeah, so my, co my company, I worked at a public accounting firm. Um, it was an international firm. So they have firms all around the countries. Um, and we do have several people um, who have come to, you know, the Detroit office from around the world and also people from the Detroit office who had gone uh, um, to different offices. So like one of my, bosses uh is currently in switzerland and he's going to be there for like two or three years mm, um, wow. so it was something that was kind of in the back of my head i was like you know i really like to travel i think it'd be neat to be someplace for a long term um for like a few years um and like 
have work and stuff already kind of figured out for you. Um, so I don't have to like go someplace and figure out what I'm going to do once I'm there. Right, um, right. And so we have an outsource center. Um, we have several outsource centers in I think a couple different countries. Um, and so there was a need for people to go to those outsource centers um, around my level basically um, for just like three or four months at a time and kind of do some on-site training or um, on-site management. So we have a lot of people there who are there long-term, like two or three years um, as an assignment, but at the same time, they're at a lot higher level. Um, so they can't necessarily always answer like the small questions that come up when we're doing our work. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even if they could, they don't have the time to answer it for the how many people work at the outsource center. Um, so they were kind of sending people at our level who are more in the details um, to go there and teach trainings um, and kind of talk through what we expect in the U.S. versus what's being done, I guess, okay. to see if there's any chances for um, them to kind of learn what we're expecting as well. Okay. Yeah. So they were asking for like several months if people would be willing to go to these different countries. And I just never really thought about it because I was like, oh, I can't go. Like, I'm too busy on my clients. Um, but then I think, like, one of our partners said, hey, you know, we really want people to go um, specifically to India because we're getting a lot of people. Um, we're not really getting a lot of people who are volunteering to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sent out this email with, like, a long list of, like, why it's a good opportunity for us. Um, and I read the email and I was like, you know, I could probably go. Um, not really thinking that it would happen right away. So I think I told my manager at the time um, who went and told that partner. And so I think within a, within less than a month, I was in, in India. <laughs> I think. Um, whereas like I was thinking like, oh, I'll volunteer and there might be other volunteers and then maybe I'll get picked and maybe like next year I'll go for a couple of months. Um, but it, happened, it happened really right away. Um, wow. So yeah, I didn't really know much going into it. Um, I was trying to finish up all the work that I had in my clients before I transitioned off. Um, and I didn't know where in India I would go. I knew we had a couple of offices. Mm-hmm. Um, so I said that they could send me um, wherever they had more needs. So I ended up going to Kolkata, um, mm-hmm. which was neat because I think my parents were freaked out a little bit because they don't really know anyone on that side of India. So they were worried if something happened to me, they wouldn't have anyone there to help. And right, I wouldn't right, be right. family. Um, but, you know, I wasn't really worried because I was like, well, the firm's sending me there. You know, I'm sure if anything happened, um, they would take care of whatever. Um, so that's kind of how I came about it. It was kind of, yeah. Basically an email got sent out saying that, you know, across the country, they're looking for people to go. Um, and I was one of like three people who volunteered within like the next day of that email. Um, so I think I was lucky in that probably the partner that sent the email knew uh, someone involved in that project um, overseeing it. So they had like a personal reason to send someone. Um, yeah. But yeah, happened to be me. Yeah. And you went, well, what? Because you, I'm trying to think. It was in the fall, right? Yeah, actually, I got there uh, the week before Thanksgiving, so just about a year ago now. Okay. Um, and then, and then I came back at the end of February, I think. Yeah. Yes, end of February, because when we yeah. went to South Korea. 
Right. You. Oh, yeah. That was crazy. You. <laughs> I remember because yeah. you were trying to get them to okay you just going from India to Korea, and it, it was just didn't work out. So you had to come back to Michigan from India and then fly from Michigan. Yeah. So like part of that was like flights were already paid for and stuff. Yeah. So it was kind of, so like I told you, right. Like I ended up volunt I ended up saying like, Hey, I might be interested in this assignment. And then like within a month I was in India, you know, mm -hmm. working. Um, they actually wanted me to go within like a week. The problem oh, that took goodness. so long was like, I was trying to get a visa from the embassy. Yeah. Um, and I was traveling, like I was traveling from Detroit to, Cal uh, to California at the time mm -hmm. uh, for my clients. So it's not like I was able to like go take a day to go to the embassy um, and like figure everything out. So I did take one day, I think where I went, I drove down and I passed off my application and then they sent me a couple of extra notices that they needed other additional stuff. Um, but yeah, they were originally estimating that I would have been there like two weeks after I had volunteered. So that's mm -hmm. why when we went to South Korea, I usually I had like a two week, um, like a two week delay basically because I wanted to stay the whole three months. Mm. Yep. So it ended up being kind of like a semester abroad because I think a semester is about three months, ish. Something like that, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it was nice that I was there over the holiday period. Um, the only thing is I missed all the Indian holidays and I got all of the American holidays while I was there. <laughs> so. Right before I arrived, they had just done Diwali, the Festival of Lights. Mm -hmm. And then right after I left, they have, um, I think it's called the Holly, where you might have seen pictures of people who are, I think MS, MSU does something for Holly, right? Where you have oh, like the, the colors? Sand, the colored sand and stuff that's okay. taught some people. So yeah, I miss both of the big holidays from them. But Dang. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> so you were in Calcutta and where where is like, your family concentrated within India? So my family, um, I think the big big cities near them, they're in the south. Uh, they're near Bangalore um, and Goa on my mom's okay. side. And then my dad's side is near um, Kochi. So there's two states. I think one is called Kerala and then one is called uh, Karnataka. And they're on like the west, southwest side of India. Okay. And it's called, is that further north? Yeah, so Kolkata is like north, but more east. Like okay. India's kind of like a T, and they're kind of on the east end. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, so you're there working. Um, had you been to Had you been to Kolkata before? No, I think okay. my dad had been there once when he was in college for some reason, okay. but that was like years ago. Um, and no one really in my family had gone much. I think one of my uncles sometimes travels there. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, it was kind of neat because some of my cousins got to travel up and see me there. Oh, that's good. Mm -hmm. Was it like, um, I mean, I don't know if you had any expectations, but um, I mean, what was your impression um, of Kolkata? Staying in there, working there, being there for the first time? Did it leave any sort of impression on you? Yeah, I was very crowded. Um, <laughs> like, I guess where my family is, it's not that um, populated. So I had never really experienced that. Um, so Kolkata is a city and it's honestly, there are some parts of Kolkata that are beautiful, right? So like that I think is where the, 
I guess I don't really know the reason why, but that's where the Victoria Memorial is. It's this gorgeous marble white building. Mm-hmm. Um, that's also where Mother Teresa was based off of. So mm-hmm. like I went and saw her um, missionary church um, and stuff. So there's lots of beautiful stuff. And the people there were amazing. Like I loved all the hotel staff. Um, all of my coworkers while I was there were incredibly hospitable. They're always volunteering to like, you know, take me out on weekends and show me Aww. their city and stuff. Um, so it was nice. That's and good. there were, there were, um, there were a lot of like bars and restaurants and stuff with just amazing food. Mm. Like, I think there was one, um, place that I would always go to just because it was near our hotel. It's called the grid. And honestly, it was a really cool bar. Um, they play like a mix of like nineties, um, music. So you would be listening to like you know Backstreet Boys and sometimes uh, Britney uh, Spears and stuff like that yeah. Um, yeah. but also like current music and even some Indian music so it was kind of like a neat mix um, and they had like Legos up and down the bar that they had like built into different um, I don't know sets I guess so mm-hmm. I mean honestly, that bar could have been anywhere in the US like mm-hmm. okay. um, so it was neat I liked Kolkata it's not a place that I would have probably ever gone if I was going to visit my family, but so I'm kind of glad that I got stationed there. Yeah. And you said you stayed in a hotel the whole time? Yes, okay. I did. Um, yeah, so we had a couple of hotels that we could choose from um, that were near our our office. Mm, okay. And you said there, obviously you were working with like the like local Indian staff there, but um, how many of you were there who had come from the states to help with this so that was kind of cool there were um a couple of people who were there long term one was from dallas one was from new york Mm -hmm. um and then so i was kind of in between i was there in like a a weird time a lot of people who had gone for other service lines um or other groups within my firm were there from like october through december and then january through march and i was like november through mid-february um so I had a lot of overlap with other groups in like the tax and audit groups. Um, and so I would say probably in the Kolkata office, there is usually like maybe 10 of us okay. Uh, okay. from the U.S. Uh, usually not always at the same time. So there were some groups of people that were only sending people. There were some teams, I guess, that were sending people like for a couple of weeks at a time. There are other people that were there for like a month or so. Um, so it just kind of depended. We were there for the longest amount of time, which was for the short-term people. Um, our visas allowed us for three months at a time to work there. Um, so it was interesting, yeah. And then we also met people from like Australia, um, Canada, um, places in Europe that also came and visited as well. And we're doing similar projects. Okay. So, like, where you were stationed, that was mm-hmm. an extension of the firm that you already worked for. But, yes. like, were there noticeable differences that you observed in terms of, like, work culture where you were in India versus back in the States? Or- yeah, so, yeah, that was kind of interesting. Um, I would say that, you know, on our end in the U.S., unless you're in tax, you typically are traveling to your client locations and you're not usually in the office versus here. They have like a whole skyscraper of people 
that are PWC that are always at the office every day. Mm-hmm. So they had like their own desks every day that they would sit at um, and stuff like that. So that was, I think, different um, for me for a bit. Um, they definitely tended to work in sh- kind of like shifts because there would be people in the morning um, that were working with the California teams or the West Coast teams because of the time difference. They could come in in the morning and have a call with them versus like the teams that would support be supporting us in Michigan. Um, you know, they tended to have calls like around eight or nine at night. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so they tend to, I would say in the U.S., we kind of have like our nine to five. Um, there, most people would come in around like 10, 30, 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and stay much later than we would normally do. Mm, gotcha. So it was interesting. Like, I think people there would work on several projects at a time because depending on when they would get questions, they could work on something else while they waited for the answers. So they would have like a team that they would help in, you know, maybe on the West Coast and then on the East Coast and maybe also in Europe somewhere because the different time zones. So they were able to schedule calls basically at different times in their day. Right. Yeah. So I would say in the U.S., we don't, unless we're working with the, um, with the outsource center, we don't usually have to work or think about the time zones. I mean, occasionally you have clients that, like one of my clients um, has a few offices on the West Coast. So we would, on those, when we were working with them, we would have to kind of consider a couple of hours um, mm-hmm. on their end. Like they're, with all the different teams they're working, it's like they have to consider like people's schedules like eight to 13 hours um, off of theirs. Okay. Okay. And um, uh, I know you, you got to, or you, you got to see your cousins in, in Kolkata while you were mm-hmm. there. Did you get to travel to um, other places within India, either to see family or just to, you know, explore? Yeah. So one of my um, friends uh, from college actually came and visited me, Cami. Uh, for the holidays. So she was there for about two weeks. She flew into Kolkata. Then we flew to Bangalore and visited my mom's and my dad's side of the family for Christmas and New Year's and then flew back. Um, So that was, that was neat. Um, And it was honestly, I think one of the first times that I have hung out with my family, like by myself, usually when we go, like usually when I go with my family, I think I've only gone like three or four times to India before this. Um, and it's only for like a couple of weeks at a time. And there's usually like a wedding or like an event um, that we're there for. Um, plus like, you know, everyone's attention is split between like my parents and me and my brother, right? Versus like, it was literally just me and my friend Cami. So it was different because I got to really know a lot of my family members. Um, and it's funny because they knew a lot about me that I wouldn't expect. Like they knew like my favorite foods and fruits and stuff because that was my favorite food when I was a baby and they would watch me, I guess. So stuff like that. Um, That was really neat. Plus uh, one of my cousins, he said it was nice that I was there by myself and I should do it again because when my dad comes, he has all these rules about stuff we can and cannot do. And there are rules. Um, My dad's always like, you know, we have to be careful about drinking like water and like we can only eat certain types of restaurants that um, are more safe or something like that. So we didn't really have a lot of rules, so it was kind of fun. He didn't have to, he didn't have to change his plans a lot because we just told him, you know, we want to see India, so take us wherever you want. Right. Um, so it was neat. And then I also traveled with some of my other people from the secondment. 
we went to Mumbai one week. Um, I think a lot of them went to Agra to see the Taj Mahal. I had already seen it, so I don't think I went. Um, we all of us had at some point visited the Bangalore office as well. Um, uh, I went to a few other places. I can't really think of them right now off the top of my head. Goa is like a nice beach town. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. okay. it, was so, it was neat because I got to see places in India that normally I wouldn't really have time to because we would be spending the time with my family instead. Right. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. You, um, I'm glad that it wasn't just like work that you got to explore and enjoy your time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, especially since you're missing the, you know, the major American holidays, you still had lots of different ways that you could enjoy yourself and spend time with people. So mm-hmm. that's really good. Um, yeah. Do you, I don't know. I know you said you got to see parts of India that you hadn't seen before. Um, do you feel like you came away from that feeling more connected um, to India in any way? Yeah, I would say definitely. Um, I think it was a little bit easier for me than other Sakandis because, you know, I, I'm born in India, so I definitely look Indian. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very easy for me to just kind of blend in. Um, even though I didn't speak the language, like there's so many languages in India, they don't, a lot of people don't speak whatever language right. of the state you're in. Uh, it was kind of a, easier for me in that way because like a lot of like tourist things, there was like a price for um, Indians. There would be a, a separate price slightly higher for anyone from East Asia. And then for any like Americans or Europeans, it'd be a lot higher. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> the, um, Victoria Memorial, I think it was like 500 rupees for an American maybe two, a hundred rupees for East Asians and then 10 rupees for Indians. So like there's a a huge difference. Um, I mean, when you, when you would uh, translate that back into US dollars, it's not that much money. Um, So I didn't really mind paying more, but it was nice when I would be like with my cousins and stuff like that. They'd be like, you can stay in here and don't say anything and we'll go buy the tickets. because <laughs> yeah, as soon as I speak, as soon as I started speaking, they knew I wouldn't be. I was wasn't Indian, right? I had an American accent. Um, I think that helped me and hurt me too because a lot of times um, people wouldn't realize I wasn't understanding what they were saying, and so they would have these conversations with me, and I wouldn't know, wouldn't have a chance to say I don't understand um, Hindi or whatever language they were speaking, um, and then they would move on, and I would be like, I don't know what just happened. Like, if I, I don't know if I'm supposed to like purchase a ticket or like maybe I did something wrong and they're telling me. Um, so it was nice. I think that I did really like it. Um, I got to see a lot of different parts of India um, and the different parts of India have very different cultures and stuff. So mm-hmm. it was neat for me to be able to spend that time there. Okay, good. Yeah, that's so exciting. Do you, um, do you have any desire to go back to India in the near future within the next few years? Yeah, I think so. Um, I would love to go back. Uh, I would love to go back with like just my brother and I. Um, oh yeah. And like do a trip with, so like when I was there, um, there was like a long weekend, there was a holiday and I was going to the Bangalore office to work that week there. Um, and so I went, I went early 
I think. And then because it was a long weekend, all of my cousins, not all of them, but a couple of my cousins, three of them, came and visited me in Bangalore. So we all got to do like a weekend together. Um, so that was fun. Um, and it would have been nice if my brother was there as well. Yeah. So maybe we, I was thinking maybe in a couple of years, when some of my, our younger cousins on that side are a little older, on my mom's side, we could all go do something. Yeah. But it was nice. Um, I got to spend a lot of time with both sides of my family and really get to know them um, better. Yeah. That's always good. That's always good. Um, anywhere else that you would like to go? It doesn't have to be like soon, but just countries that you would like to visit. Yes, I have so many countries I want to see now. Um, <laughs> so I'm trying to get to 30 countries before I'm 30. Um, okay. But I don't know if I'll make it unless I do a couple of cruises or something that do a lot of countries. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'm like at 25 now and I have one more years. So we'll okay. see. That's um, doable. I feel like that's yeah, that's doable. not too bad. Um, but like, I'm trying to think like with the trips I have planned, I don't know if I have enough trips planned yet um, <laughs> for the next few years. So next year, so Cami came and visited me and my extended family in India. Mm -hmm. So next, in 2019, for she's going, her family's going to Argentina and invited me to go with them. Ooh, so nice. um, get to see a new country there. Um, and then Kami and I wanted to do like a tour around East Asia at some point. Mm. So part of the thing that I do most regret is that I didn't see a lot of India, but I didn't really see a lot of like the surrounding countries. Yeah. And yeah. the flights from there were so cheap. Um, a few of the Sakandis went to like the Philippines and like a couple other places as well that they had planned out before they had come. Um, so because I had come on such short notice, I didn't really have a lot of plans. Um, so like when I would have, I would go on trips when I knew I didn't have much work to do that weekend. Mm. So like, okay, I have a weekend free and I'd find out on like Tuesday and book a flight um, like Friday night and then come back Friday, uh, Monday morning before work. So if I had more time to kind of think about it, I probably would have planned the trips out in advance rather than like figure out what I could do that week mm -hmm. um, and kind of gone around a little bit more um, while I'm there. So Although I do think that before this trip, I had never really traveled to a country for like an extended amount of time. Mm -hmm. And I really liked it because I feel like when you're on vacation, you kind of want to cram as much stuff as you can into your time there because, you know, you're spending a lot of money on flights and hotels and food. Mm -hmm. um, you want to get the full experience versus like in India, because I was there for three months, there was never like a rush to go do anything. Right. So if I wanted to go do something, I could, if I didn't want to do anything, I could just stay in my hotel room for the entire weekend. Right. And get mm -hmm. food um, downstairs. So it put, there was a lot less pressure on the trip. It didn't have to be this amazing trip because I was there for work, but I also got these amazing experiences out of it. Yeah. That's such a good point. That's such a good point. It's not as much pressure to make, make it worth all the time and money that you've invested <laughs> when you yeah. have more time at your disposal versus like a week or two or, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, okay. And, and um, thinking about like going to Panama and doing the work you did there or, you know, uh, your work assignment in India, do you have any, Excuse me. Do you have any um, 
major takeaways or advice you'd like to offer to people who want to study abroad or simply um, or work abroad or just travel more? Anything that comes to mind that you'd like to share? Yeah. So I think that, you know, my biggest thing in college was that I was kind of afraid to take that step and go to another country by myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm really glad that I had the chance to go to India. Um, But like looking back, there were so many opportunities that were put in front of me that I just didn't raise my hand for. So Mm -hmm. because I was like thinking like, okay, I got to figure out like, you know, if I'm going to do a semester, like what classes am I going to do there? Like, will they come up? Will they, you know, translate back? Like, will I have problems understanding the language? Um, versus like when I went to Panama and when I went to India, the difference was like, I heard about the opportunity, thought it would be cool, volunteered. And then once I got in, then I figured out everything. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And it ends up working out. Right. So I think my takeaway and to other and I guess advice to other people would be if you have an opportunity and it seems interesting, don't panic or like think about all the details like those will all fall into place as your trip kind of advances um just volunteer and say you want to do it right yeah. plus like yeah. the whole new thing like everyone at work knew that I like to travel so like they kind of asked me about the trip so if they didn't ask me I don't know if I would have been brave enough to um say yes I wanted to go but the fact that they asked me about the email and like what I thought about it um kind of set everything in motion yeah. So yeah, yeah. It kind of makes a difference when you're invited to do something, like you know, versus yeah. like having a yeah, feel like you have like, to figure out stuff out there, you know. Yeah, and I know they had been talking about that that assignment for like months, right? Like it had been in a lot of a lot of like other emails and stuff, um, and newsletters as well. So you know, we all everyone knew that they wanted people, but I guess no one really thought like that they could specifically go. Yeah. But you went and it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I will probably never forget that experience. I would yeah. love to work abroad again. Well, hopefully you do get to, uh, especially the field you work in. I'm sure I'm sure the, there will be opportunities that come that will be able to send you to who knows where. <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully that, that will happen for you. Um, Okay. Well, uh, thank you so much for making the time to to talk to me. Uh, again, I really, I know you don't have a problem with it, but I do kind of feel bad. It was such short notice, but we worked it out and I appreciate you just being so flexible. Um, last question I have is, um, is there any way that people can reach you or keep up with you online if you would like them to do so? Sure. So I have a Facebook and an Instagram. Uh, my Facebook is, I think, just my name, Sharon Milador. Um, and then my Instagram is where I usually post my photos from traveling. And it is sharebear431. Okay. Yeah. So I can send that over to you if you want to include it. Sure, sure. All right. Well, thank you so much, Sharon. I know I'm going to see you later today, but um, (laughs) whatever you're doing in the in-between time, I hope you enjoy it if you're just chilling or whatever. I don't know. Um, But yeah, thank you so much. And uh, I hope you have a great afternoon and I will see you later. Okay. Okay. Thank you for having me. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. (laughs) All right. Bye, Sharon.
All right, y'all. There it is. Thanks to Sharon for being such a wonderful guest, and I hope you like how this all turned out. For the rest of you listening, don't forget to follow this podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Young Gifted and Abroad. And don't forget to check out guest profiles and resource lists on younggiftedandabroad.com. Also, if you enjoy what you've been hearing so far, then please continue listening to the podcast on uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Acast, or Stitcher. And as always, if you have questions or comments to share, or if you yourself would like to be a guest on the show, then feel free to email me at younggiftedandabroad at gmail.com. So for next week, the guest is going to be a surprise again. (laughs) As I've said previously, November has been a different kind of month for me, and it looks like December is going to be the same. So um, what I can say is that we are winding down for the year. So uh, I'm looking forward to putting out at least two more episodes, maybe three, and then that'll be it for 2018. And I'm fairly certain who uh, who the guest for next week will be, but I don't want to, uh, since that conversation has not been had yet, <laughs> the interview has not been done yet, so um, I don't want to say one thing and, and lead y'all on, basically. So you'll just have to wait and see, um, but look forward to that next week. Um, but until then, thank you so much for listening and talk to you next time. <laughs>